Today is a discussion about life after life based on the story of Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. So I want to start off giving two parables, different parables, uh, in regards to life after life. I'm sure you might have heard of one or two of them because they've been going around over social media in the past. But I know of a rabbi who gives off, who gives over this uh, message. And um, it's beautiful. So the famous uh, story is of twins that were arguing in the mother's womb. And one was saying, you know, I believe that one day we're going to come out of here. It's beautiful and warm and cozy. But I actually believe that one day we're all going to leave here. Me and you, we're going to leave this place. And we're going to go into a different world. And there was the other baby that didn't believe. One was a believer, one wasn't. And the baby that didn't believe kept saying, no way, we're not going to leave this place. How can we? And the believer says, yes, not only are we going to leave this place, we're going to enter a new world. We're going to see things. We're going to see light, color. We're going to see beauty. We're going to see other people, not just us two. We're actually going to leave this thing you see this big thing in our face called the umbilical cord we're going to leave that drop it off what do you mean the atheist says how can that be that's the source of our living that umbilical cord without it i can't live what do you mean you're crazy and for nine months this argument keeps going and as they grow the believer says see i'm growing i'm getting bigger i'm getting fuller we are going to get out of this thing and the atheist says, we're not going to get out. The more we're growing, the more we need. And we rely on that umbilical cord. There's no way that we can get out of it. And then comes the moment of pressure. The moment of age. And there's a lot of pressure going on. And all of a sudden, baby believer disappears. And the non-believing baby is like, what's going on? What happened? What, what, where did, where did, where did she go? I don't understand. And then within no time, uh, the baby non-believer also comes out and enters the hospital room and sees many people looking over her and for the first time opens her mouth and starts crying and speaking and is able to breathe from their mouth because till now they weren't breathing from their mouth and everything that was told to them was really true. That is the story of us, all of us in this world, where we get b brought into this world and we say, eh, I'm in here forever. This is the goal. This is the purpose, this place. And then there are some that say, no, there's actually a bigger story than this place. There's another whole world. And this is, uh, whilst it's nice and comfortable and warm, sometimes... As time gets on, it gets less comfortable here. As we get older, it gets less comfortable. And eventually, we're going to leave this dark place and the place that we're going to go to is much better. What do you mean? The other person will say, but I have a heart. And without my heart, I don't exist. I have a brain. Without my brain, I don't exist. My conscience is my thoughts. I am nothing without my brain. And I'm nothing without my heart. And the other one saying, listen, mark my words. Everything that we do in this world is only a little part to the world to come. There's much more in the world to come.
And that's the argument. But we don't just have a nice argument. We have all the documents with us. You see, baby believer was saying that story not because he believes, because we know. We have documented exactly details of what happens to a person as they leave their body. Exactly details of how and what the process is and of what the world to come is and what the experience. We know all the details and they have been proven scientifically. So we're going to be speaking about that. Another example uh, similar to the story is the example of the caterpillar. Two little caterpillars crawling on the floor. What do they see? <laughs> all they see is dust. Nothing else. Crawling on the floor and there's believer caterpillar. And then there's atheist caterpillar. And believer caterpillar saying, listen, all this pain that we're going through on this earth is uh, it's not forever. And as we get older, we're going to start releasing our shells, removing from our shells. We'll start deteriorating into something very, very small and insignificant. We are already small, but even smaller. And eventually we'll lose everything. And there'll only be a tiny speck of us that will remain. And from that speck, we'll start being able to leave the dirt. We'll be able to rise above the dirt. And atheist butterflies, <laughs> not butterfly yet, atheist um, uh, um, caterpillar says, what are you talking about? Earth is all we got. This is what we eat. Everywhere I go, it's in my face. This is, this is everything. There's nothing else. What do you mean there's going to be much more? This, there's nothing more than earth. That's every, it's the most beautiful thing ever. Do I need more? And this argument goes on and on and on until believer caterpillar disintegrates and um, all of a sudden disappears. And the other caterpillar is looking and saying, what's going on? Where, where are you? And he sees like there's just bits left of the shell of the caterpillar. I don't know exactly how the transformation goes, but it's really fascinating. And there's just like shells left. But where are you? I don't understand. And then all of a sudden he goes through tremendous pain, that pain of transformation. And he's like, this is what, what is going on? And eventually after all this pain and the transformation, he can start to fly. And he's starting to go above earth, above the dust. And suddenly there's this view. It's like going on the plane for the first time. And you're like, whoa, I've seen it with my kids going on a plane for the first time. Their reaction is like, wow, all the cars are so small. And everything's so big. And it's amazing. You see the grand picture of the world. And eventually that's what happens to the butterfly. Comes this gorgeous existence and enters a whole new world and that's exactly how it is according to judaism for us this world of pain and suffering of what seems to be pain and suffering is not the way that god wants us to be meaning wants us to go through it to grow but it's all to be a butterfly at the end that's the aim we go through it in order to grow, but it's all so that we can actually be that born child that comes out of it at the end. And just like with uh, the fetus, that's the period before the birth into this world. So to this world is like the, 
is like the pregnancy towards the world to come. And that's what we're in. We're in, we are all a fetus right now in terms of spirituality. And there's a much better world out there than this one. So that's what this Torah's portion is about. What's it called? Chaye Sarah. The life of Sarah. Wait a second. The life of Sarah? <laughs> she dies. And he called it the life of Sarah. It should be called, this book should be called the death of Sarah. Sarah was the wife of Abraham Avinu. Should have been called the death of Sarah. How many verses in the Torah is communicating about creation of the universe? If you look at the Torah at the beginning, in Bereshit, creation itself is 32, 31 verses. Just about creating the universe. That's small. Burying Sarah Imenu. The burial process of Sarah. How many verses is that? Not more. But it's a lot. It's 17 psukim. 17 different verses all about the burial of Sarah Imenu. She dies and now Abraham has to bury her. And he mourns for her. It's the first time we see and we hear about a burial and a mourning. And how Abraham gets up and he tries to buy a land to bury her. So much respect for the dead. It goes on and on. And he talks and he tries to buy the land. He says, no, I need to buy the land. I'll give you everything. And he pays 400 shekel of kesef, of silver, counted by ovelas. The, the most expensive weight of 400 um, weights of, of silver. Like In that time, it was like billions of dollars. Abraham was the wealthiest one of the wealthiest people of his time. And he gave literally billions of dollars in order to buy this plot of land to bury his wife. Why? Because life, according to Judaism, just like the butterfly and the, uh, and the baby, only begins after the birth. Life doesn't begin before. So, uh, so too with the Chaye Sarah, with the story of Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. Her life, really, yes, through this world, we achieve and we decide what kind of life we're going to have in the world to come. But it's in this world that Sarai Menu uh, isn't yet called alive. It's only when she finishes being in this world, that's when she's called the life of Sarah. That's why it's called Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah, not the death of Sarah. It says, Her life was 100 years, 20 years, 7 years. These were the years of Sarah. Life for the righteous, it says, It says that righteous people, their death, they are much greater in their death than in their lifetime. We just unfortunately see and hear of the passing of this week. Two very, very prominent rabbis in the religious community some of the greatest that we have in our generation. Uh, Rabbi Sachs and Rabbi Feinstein, Rabbi David Feinstein, some really holy rabbis. Just Rabbi David Feinstein had just passed away as well this week. They asked some of the greatest rabbis in the Orthodox community, if you were to go back in time and choose three people to host for Shabbat, who would you? Who would you host? <laughs> so everyone said a different answer and good ones. So once one said, I'll invite my, my wife and my children, because that's all that matters. Everyone had another answer. One said Abraham, one said Moses. Um, Rabbi David Feinstein said, I'll invite 
three poor people out of the entire history of all the people and the Jewish people. I don't need, I'll do what God requires of me, not to in, in, endure some kind of fame by having Moses sitting on my table. I'll, for me, the greatest thing is to have poor people on my table. And that's what he said. Fantastic. And Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, I don't know if you know of him, but his teachings are so relatable. I totally recommend any of you to get some of his books, read some of his... Uh, he's got a website, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He's, he's crowned the Lord Jonathan Sachs by the Queen um, in England because he's considered like a... A very important person, even in the in the non-Jewish world, he was a beacon of light. When he passed away this week, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of England, also uh, wrote some words uh, for Rabbi Sachs. So it's really, really a very holy rabbi as well, who his teachings are so special and relatable. And they passed away, but you know what? They passed away, and now we realize their greatness. Whilst they're alive you don't see their greatness as much because they're living. We take them for granted. But as soon as they pass away, all of a sudden, all the stories come out. It says, Zechet tzaddik livracha. The memory of a righteous person is a blessing. Just the memory of them. They're not alive anymore. Their memory is a blessing already. V'shem reshaim yukav. But the name of the wicked, they rot, even whilst they're alive. The memory of the righteous in the past, just the thought of them is a blessing. Hitler, during his lifetime, he was a curse. His name rotted. Oh, but he has a name. <laughs> you have to have the oh, right? So he has a name. You know, he had a name. He was known to the world. Yeah, but it rots. It rots to the core because in every single d- person deep in their heart, they hated him. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, there were people that worshipped him. But even then, they were really just jealous of his hierarchy. They didn't really want it. They, or they wanted it, but they didn't really admire him. They admired his power or whatever he stood for. But the name of the, the, the memory of the righteous, that will always be remembered. That's why whenever someone passes away who's righteous, we say, I don't know if you noticed, but people would write ZTL. Have you noticed that? When someone passes away, they'd write Z, T, apostrophe, and L after their name, which stands for Zechel Tzadik Livracha. May the memory of this righteous person be a blessing. Because greater are people that are um, that pass away than even in their lifetime because their values and their teachings go further and further. I heard a great quote from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He said like this, Dan, you listening? Listen to this quote. A world without any values is a world that has no value. A world with no values is a world that has no value. That was uh, one. You can go on, on uh, his website, just search Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. That's not now, but another time. But no, you can now. You can do whatever you want. I'm not stopping. But you, you can search Rabbi Jonathan Sachs quotes on, and on his website that they created for him. 
um, you can see some of his amazing quotes, whether it's on politics or anything else. He's just, just an amazing man. It was beyond. His teachings definitely affected me and um, definitely have given me the right perspective of life. So totally recommend anybody that's listening to do the same. And whenever you're driving, instead of listening to another pop star, listen to Rabbi Sachs. He's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I'm sure. I don't know about Spotify, but I know he's on Apple. It's weird because he's orthodox, so he shouldn't be on Apple. It's like a thing. I'm just joking. Okay. So, uh, so that's the story. Abraham passes, uh, uh, buries his wife, Sarah. So I want to tell you something about death because I, I think death is such a powerful thing in terms of making us realize the power of life. Death is what gives life. You hear that? Death is what gives life. So we know that Chava was called... Do you know who Chava is in Hebrew? Who's that in English? Chava. Can't hear you. You've got to take your mic off. Eve. Eve. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. So in the story of Adam and Eve, they were in the Garden of Eden. And they were meant to live there forever. Listen to this, guys. You've got you, you to take this. This is, this is gold, what I'm going to tell you now. Gold. So Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden. And uh, they were told, don't eat from the tree. The tree of knowledge between good and bad. Okay, I'm not going to get into that story because that could take me a week. Just that conversation about what that means. Okay? But listen to this. So Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. Everything goes back to the beginning. And Adam was told, listen, if you eat from this tree, then bad is good. You'll be identified with the bad things you do. You know how like if someone steals, so now their identity somewhat has stuck to them the concept of theft. Like this is what I do. This is who I am. This is my action. When we do good or bad, it comes an identity. It doesn't just come a thing that we did in the past. It comes our identity. We have to remove it through tshuva, but it comes our identity. So what happened was that God says, hey, Adam, if you eat from the tree, you're going to die. And the snake convinced Chava to eat from the tree. And Chava says, hey, wait a second. I'm going to be thrown out of Eden without my husband. I need him with me. So she convinces Adam to eat from the tree as well. And um, Adam eats from it as well. So who caused... We were told that if you eat from the tree, he was called the day that you eat it is the day that you die. He didn't die immediately. He had a thousand years, but death was introduced to him the day that he ate from this tree. Whatever. If this is too much for you, it's fine. I'll talk about it another time. But that's what happened. He was told the day that you eat from this is the day that you die. And um, he ate from the tree and he was only given a certain death was now introduced to him. Why? Because he sinned. And when you sin, you identify with it. And in order to remove yourself from it, you need to go through death. Then, immediately after this story, they ate from it. They got their consequences of life. Amazing message for life, everything. Immediately after the story, Adam gives Chava her name. She was not called Chava yet. <laughs> Adam finally gives her her name and he says, her name's Chava. She, he, because she is the M Kol Chai, she's the mother of all living beings. Meaning, her name Eve really means life. 
wait a second, Chava, Adam is called Adam from Adama. Chava is called life because she gave life. She's going to give life. She's going to be the mother of all living beings. She's going to actually carry life into the world. I know some people uh, don't like that, but that's just a physical reality that uh, mothers give birth and they ha- they're the ones that actually go through that process of bringing children into the world. So <laughs> Dan's laughing, but it's true. I don't know. I've got to be careful with what I say all the time. So, um, so she's the mother of all living beings. And the big question is, Eve caused death to the world. She didn't bring life. She caused death. She was the one that got Adam to eat from that tree because he ate from the tree. He had death. That's the big question. You're going to call her the mother of all living beings? She caused death. She introduced death to the world. If not for her, there wouldn't be any death. Now here is the message. Imagine in a world that we live in today, when they were in Ganed and it was a different reality. In the reality that we're in now. Imagine if I meet you, you know, I met Dan for a few years and then all of a sudden he disappears and he's like, Rabbi, I'll see you in a couple of years. And we all live for thousands of years, not for, <laughs> not for 70, 80 90, 100 years. We all live for thousands of years. And Dan says, goodbye, I'll see you later. <laughs> Do you know what I'll see you later means? <laughs> There's no end. It has no meaning. Can you imagine a marriage where you say, hey, will you be my wife? And I say, will you be my husband? And uh, uh, Sorry, will you be my wife? And she says, yes. And you give the ring and the marriage happens. And there's no end to this marriage. It's just going to be forever. The relationship doesn't have an end to it. It's just you and her for eternity. Do you know what happens to that relationship? It doesn't have meaning. It's only a relationship because it could be taken away from me at a certain point. That's what bonds us in the first place. It's like the glue that puts us together. You see, when, when, when we have a certain cap limit to things, then we value them. When we're told that we can only live for a certain amount of time, now you've got to take life seriously. If I was told that I'm, I'm going to live for 2,000 years, how would my frat parties on campus be? How, long, how many years would they be? Right? It wouldn't be, right? It wouldn't be, it'll be 500 years at least. Right? (laughs) Here we go. It'll be for thousands of years because there's no value to things. And if there's no value to things, nothing's going to push me to live my life to its fullest. So death, in fact, is what gives life. I wouldn't say it's life, but it's actually what gives us meaning to life. It pushes us to live life meaningful. And that's why Chava was called the mother of all living beings. Yes, she actually physically gave birth to living beings. And she came from a living being as opposed to Adam who came from earth, according to Jewish tradition. But on a higher level, Chava also gave death to the world, which really gave life to the world. Because without death, you can't recognize the power of life in the first place. So, when we talk about death, a lot of times we're afraid of it, and for good reason. Because it really, it's not the fear. 
it's really what it is is the pressure that life has a cap limit. That's what it is. And that's why it says, it says in the Pikeavot, in Ethics of Our Fathers, look at three things and you'll never come to sin. What are they? Where you came from? Where are you going? And before whom are you going to give judgment? Meaning everything's accountable. And then the Talmud says, where you came from, from a little drip of nothing. That would give you a lot of humility. Hey, look, what were you? You remember what you were? Right? That little drip. And then it says, where are you going? Back to earth. And who are you going to be accountable for in front of? The Chafetz Chaim says that every generation is given different things in order to help it spiritually as well. So uh, this, this generation, we've been given the phone in his time. The telephone was uh, discovered. In our generation, we're given video ability. We can record we can record audio. We are being watched. And that reminds us about our accountability in the world to come. It used to be, can you imagine like a hundred years ago, this Mishnah and what our rabbi said that, you know, uh, everything you do, there's an eye that's watching it. There's an ear that's listening to it. And everything's being written. Everything's being recorded. <laughs> back in the day, even a hundred years ago, people would say, what are you talking about? This is Jewish indoctrination. That's what it is. It's Jewish indoctrination. But no, know what's above you. There's an eye that's watching. There's an ear that's listening and everything's being recorded. Now we can understand based on the technology that we have, we can understand what that means. So, uh, the Chafetz Chaim, who lived, I think, passed away in 1909. He was a, the greatest, amazing works, amazing, extensive works that he wrote on, any, on everything. And he said that in every generation, God gives us certain things, physically, advancement, so that we can actually find the world more relatable, the spiritual world more relatable to a weaker generation. We're a weaker generation spiritually than we used to be. And in order to cope with this generation that we're in, we're given certain physical things to make us realize that there's another world out there. There is another world out there. And one of them is the ability to have me speaking here and speaking to all of you in a faraway place on video. You see me. We're live right now. This is happening. That's all a message to us that we should internalize that everything in this world is actually being accounted for. No way. There's a beast on this uh, video call right now. We're getting Zoom bombed. Can we? How are we doing, Rabbi Jack? Oh I'm my sorry. gosh, we're getting Zoom bombed. What's going on? It's disgusting. I'll turn my camera off. I'm I know, sorry. I know, I know. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to bother. Rabbi Jack, you're crushing it right now. Thank you. My, computer, my, my laptop's going to explode. This is amazing. This is amazing. My, my camera just broke. Uh, <laughs> uh, too many good-looking people in there. So anyway, 
Um, so anyway, so that's that's what we're saying here is that you know we that's life. Life is when we recognize that there's death also, then we live life to its fullest. When we recognize that in just one instant somebody can pass away, like a friend of mine when he was 20. Just like that. He had a tumor in his brain, everyone was told he's gone to the hospital, something happened, and then he was gone. Everyone was shocked. It says that Yetzahadam Ra Mineurav. The inclination of a person is bad from when he's young. Uh, your inclination is bad from when you're young. That's what the Torah says after he um, after Hashem brought the flood. So he says, Yetzahadam Ra Minurav. Mankind is bad when he's young because he always says, Ah, I have another many years left. Now be young, be merry. I have many years in my life to live. And as a person gets older each year, you wake up further in recognizing, hey, wait a second, there's more to this world. It can't be that this is just it. There must be more. So anyway, so that's um, the idea of this week's parasha. So much extensive conversation about burying someone, respecting the dead. It says that Abraham Avinu barely cried. It says, with a small cough. He cried with a small cough. It says, if you look at the Torah, all the letters are written in the same size. But when it says when Abraham cried for his wife, the kaf, which is the pronunciation of the word lifkot, it's the word that really sticks, the letter that sticks out the most, the kaf in the word to cry is meant to be written in small. And our rabbis teach us because Abraham cried a little bit for his wife. Why did he cry a little bit? He should have cried a lot. Because he knew that she's going into the right place and he didn't cry for himself. He cried for the world of what it was losing. But he knew that for her, he was so in tune with the spiritual world, he knew exactly where she's going. He cried, but never too much. According to Judaism, when somebody passes away, there's a limit, there's a cap limit to how much you can mourn. Seven days, no longer. 30 days is another stage of mourning, but it's much less. And then up to a year, that's it. No more Kaddish, nothing. You are not allowed to mourn that person more than 11 months. And, uh, and each stage has its own limit. A person must not mourn more than a certain amount because we also know that that person goes to a real place. Overly mourning means that you don't believe uh, in the world to come. You don't believe that there's a reality. And this is only a part of it. So uh, the Talmud says in Sanhedrin 46b, it says that when Abraham mourned over Sarah, his wife, it says from here we know, it based on the language, because it says, Lisbod he mourned for Sarah. Our rabbis say from here, we learn that mourning is actually a good thing for the dead person. Mourning is a good thing for the person that passed away. According to Jewish teaching, it's not good for the people that, it's not necessarily good only for the people that we're doing it who's lost the person. We think when you go to mourning and you hear a eulogy, that's the right word, a eulogy. When you hear a eulogy and someone's speaking for somebody who passed away, you think, oh, that's good for everybody that's in the room that's hearing the speech. It's good for the person that passed away. They hear it. They feel it. 
They're there and they're watching. That's what we believe. So I want to take you through some of the, um, quickly, some of the proofs of us leaving this world and what Judaism really believes. So we all know that we're, compre- we're composed of two parts, uh, the body and the soul, right? When it says that God created man, it says, God created from something that already existed, which is the dust. He created man from the dust of the ground. And then God blew into him a soul. And then he came a living being. Adam is Aleph Dam. Aleph Dam. Adam. Aleph represents the soul. Dam is the blood, the flesh. There's two parts to us. There's the physical flesh. And then there's the Aleph. There's the soul, the Neshama in us, which really, it, it doesn't suffice with eating and sleeping and drinking and eating and sleeping and drinking. It's not like an animal. When you look at an animal, it doesn't get depressed. The cow doesn't get depressed. It just does its thing. The cow eats the grass. It does its uh, bathroom business wherever it feels. No shame. Sleeps, eats, sleeps. It just lives off its nature, off its um, instinct. That's all it does. Doesn't get depressed, doesn't question its existence, doesn't question its creator, doesn't say to itself, who made me? Who are my parents? Who are involved in making my reality? Who are the behind my cells? Who are behind... It doesn't ask any of that. The animal just... See you, David. Daniel, nice to see you. The, the animal just says... This is me and it goes on with its life. But the human is so complicated. We suffer and we have to work to make our living. We don't just have food in front of us. We have to work to make a living. Life is so complicated for humans. And then we question everything. Why do we question everything? And we need respect. And we need you to speak nicely to me because I'm not, I'm not a piece of dirt. right? We even say that. And you should have a, a you know, I'm a higher being. We hold of ourselves to a higher standard. Why are we different than animals? Why can't we just live and graze? Graze from our cupboards. Some people do just graze from their cupboards. But why don't we just graze and, and just live without questioning anything? Why is life so complicated that we question our existence and we need meaning and we need purpose and we need followers and we need, we need to feel like we made a this difference to the world, where does that come from? And, and we're told it comes from your soul. That's the power of God that you have in you. That's, what you, that's where it comes from. It says, Don't put your trust in people to give you stuff. Givers. Never trust givers. Okay, you have a friend who's wealthy or an uncle that's got lots of money and you're hoping he's going to give you some inheritance. Don't trust them. You know why? They are humans that have a cap limit. They have no way of getting out. When his soul leaves, where does he go? His body goes back to the ground. You're putting your trust in, in, in flesh, in cells, as soon as that person's soul leaves, what, what is that? That's just a body that falls. Right? If you take away the Aleph from Adam, 
You just have a, a body that falls. It doesn't hold itself up. The word emet, by the way, truth also. If you take away the aleph from the emet, from the word truth, you just have met, death. You take away the soul from the re- physical reality, you just have a dead being. So that's the neshama, that's the soul. And it says, When his soul leaves, he goes back to the ground. And that moment, he's lost all of his physical hopes. Everything he hoped for disappears. Yeah, Shlomo Melech also says, Always remember your creator from the day that you're young. So that before the, the bad comes onto you and you start doing things which are wrong. And then you get old. This is what he says in Kohelet, you'd bet, number chapter 12, verse 1 to 7. He says, You'll get old. When you eventually you'll say, Ah, I don't want this life anymore. It's, what do I need it for anyway? And it's very hard to leave the the string of money. He says, you'll, The dust will just return back to its place, the way it was to the dust. And your spirit, your neshama, will go back to Hashem, which is where it was given from. So, we, we understand that we're, com- we're made of two parts. And the physical part is not me. I can't define myself by my arm. That's just a domem. That's a still object. It's just a, an object. It moves because I move it. But who is the real I? Who is the real I? Am I my heart? Am I my leg? Am I my... Well, people can have a heart transplant. They can have an arm transplant. They can have a... None of who we are is really me. So some people say, well, it's our brain that creates the I. Well, which part of your brain? Hashem specifically made that our brain is, is made of thousands, millions of connections, synaptic chemicals and connections that form the brain that we have. So exactly which part of that is me? And it's not. So this is a real thing. There's something called NDEs. Apparently, um, I don't know exactly the number. Let me just check because how many people have an NDE every year? It's it's mind-blowing. Let me just check. How many? You can't trust Google either. Definitely can't trust it. Five percent of the adult American population. According to the EN's survey conducted in USA, Australia, and Germany, but another survey suggests four to fifteen percent have NDEs. That's a big number. So, what's an NDE? Does anyone know? A near-death experience. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't see that your hand went up. Research has constantly been done. I mean, if you want to know about this stuff, you got to research. They've interviewed over 30 million people that have had an NDE. And almost all of them have said the same thing. You could see hundreds of videos of people that had NDEs, near-death experienced, which means they were clinically dead. The heart stopped, brain, everything stopped for a significant amount of time that they were considered dead. Yet they come back and they say their story. Raymond Moody, uh, which is an interesting name for someone who interviews uh 
people that had near-death experiences, Raymond Moody. Um, but he interviewed millions of people, spent his whole lifetime as a doctor interviewing these people, and not just him. It's still going on till today. Uh, research is being done on the NDEs, near-death experiences. Uh, he, he, taught, he wrote a book called Life After Life. And he says one of the most interesting experiences was meeting a blind woman who explains that in her near-death experience, she got vision for the first time. She got to see her own body. There's NDE and there's OBE. An NDE is a near-death experience. OBE is an outer body experience. Outer body experience is where they actually leave their body and they see their own body from above, hovering. They hover over their body. They see whether they're in the hospital, the account of somebody working on their body, giving them an operation, but they're watching the whole thing outside of their body. She explains and describes exactly the people who were there in doing her surgery. Blind, never seen anything before. For the first time is able to see and explains exactly how all the people in the room looked like that were working on her body. She explains where things were and what was there, what the, the bag that was there, the details that cannot be described by somebody who can't see. And this is not just one person. She, that was a specific case of a blind person, but of many people that were completely considered clinically dead. And they had an outer body experience watching their own body um, being worked on. This, by the way, is not to scare anybody. Again, it's to give us a sense, like the Mishnah in Pekeavot says, of meaning to life. To make us realize that life is real and our actions are accountable and that... We need to live our life to its fullest in terms of doing mitzvot and doing good in this world so that when we leave, that connection to Hashem will be at its strongest. We really believe in that. So um, this is the language uh, of almost all the people that went through an NDE. Okay, This is the language, almost uh, all of them. They all... This is why it's a study that's really taken seriously because when you, when, you, when you research many people and you ask the same question, they all tell you the same thing. That's not a coincidence. Everyone's saying the same thing. Millions of people. Until today, they're still interviewing every year. Hundreds of people, 4%, let's say the lowest number, 4% of American population. Does anyone know what, how many millions that is? It's probably about... What, what's 4% of uh, 300, how many million do we have in America? 330 million? What's 4% of that? It's a lot, right? It's a lot, it's about, it's about 15 million probably. That's a lot. So, uh, every year. So look at this. People that had an NDE claim... It's possible to return to life. Uh, well, first thing he noticed is that they return to life afterwards. So they have a death experience, clinically dead, but then they come back to life. They all say they see some kind of light. It's a light that can't be described, a tangible light, uh, filled with infinite love that cannot be described properly because it, it's like you go in it in a way that envelopes you completely. And it speaks to them through thought. 
Almost all of them say they experience their entire lives in a panoramic view. It's quick, but very real. They actually experience their entire lifetime all over again in a very quick speed moment, but as real as it was originally. Um, which seems impossible to us because how can you have an entire lifetime in a second if it's all a second, but how do you experience it as real? So that seems obviously very difficult because outside of the body, you're already in the spiritual reality. Relatives and friends that have deceased uh, start coming to meet with them. And this is something else that they've noticed, that they've said. And they are able to see everything that is being done to their bodies below, which is the OBE, the outer body experience. So here's some quotes from the Talmud to really uh, show that we've always believed in this stu stuff. And there's this, by the way, the NDEs is just one way today that we've seen our connection with the spiritual world. There's other ways that we can connect to the spiritual world. There's the Dibuk, which is where a, uh, a lost soul comes into a human body. And that's documented by many rabbis throughout our generations from the times of the Talmud of Dibuks, which is a lost soul that can't get past to the further worlds because it did something very, very wrong in this world. And it's lost and it's desperately trying to move on. So it, it's able to actually go into somebody in this world, actually go into them and take over their body. Very interesting uh, experience. But that's called it. But there's other things through dreams, uh, people that experience or speak to the dead through a dream or through a, a, a dreamlike experience. But here I want to just talk about NDEs, which is a study that's being done and happens every year as we're talking. But this is what the Talmud says. Uh, Up to three days, uh, you could check on the dead at the cemetery. I don't know anyone who does that. But, you know, even if somebody's clinically dead, up to we're meant to bury them immediately, interestingly enough. But according to uh, the Talmud, up to three days, there's still a chance that that person can have life brought back to him. There's a story of someone who uh, the Talmud brings in Smechot, who uh, he, uh, they, they, they heard noises at the cemetery. And they came within three days of his death. And they came and he lived for another 25 years after. He was clinically called dead. So they actually brought him out of the grave and found out that he was actually alive and lived for 25 more years after. This is brought in the Talmud. But here again, um, for the first, this is Gemara in Yevamot. So it's actually a very relatable source. We all learn that the Talmud is something which everybody's learning. And here it says, For all three days after the passing of a person, the soul's hovering over the body. It's around the body. And that's why we said, when somebody mourns for the dead, they are listening. It's good for them. It comforts them. The Gemara in Shabbat says, page 152, page 152b, says, Kol your dead. Anything you say before the dead, he knows and hears. Actually, before they actually do the burial, I'm sorry if this is Uri and weird, but before they do the burial, they actually say, they ask Mechila, they ask forgiveness from the person that passes away. 
because they handled with him and they asked him forgiveness for that time that they were handling with the dead if, to forgive him for anything that they've done during his lifetime and also from the time he passed away till the time that they bury him that he should be in peace this is an amazing story so there was a Talmud in Baba Batra of Rabbi Yosef who had an outer uh, death experience he left his body the son of Rabbi Yeshua he got very sick and passed away had an outer body experience and his came back to life and his father Rabbi Yeshua says to him what did he see in that world this is very interesting he says this is always a, the Talmud is not there to just like you know scare you it's there to tell you, tell you a message what did you see he says I saw an upside down world isn't there a song the upside down world I saw an upside down world a world that's the other way around Ra'iti this is a town in Baba Batra Yud Amud Beit the second gate page 10b I'm just saying it because in case anyone asks me and says no way I saw the world upside down I saw those that are in the higher worlds, the elites of this world, the people that are the most respected in our generation, the people that everyone looks up to, the influencers, the most important people of our times. I saw those as the lowest in the worlds above. Not always, but some of them. I saw, it's definitely not always like that, but some of the people that we all thought are the greatest up there, I saw them right at the bottom. For Tachtonim, some of the people that are the quietest, most irrelevant people in this world, Elyonim, are worth a lot in the world above. For Tachtonim, Lemala. Some of the people that are humble, that are quiet, that don't make a noise of themselves, that are, are pleasant, they are in the highest places in the world above. What does Rabbi Yeshua say to his son? He says, Ah, Amalei, Olam Barur Ita. You saw a clear world. You saw the real world. Because the Talmud calls this world Al Madashikra, a world of lies. Who do we worship? Somebody who has more followers? As opposed to somebody who's humble? Or somebody that's been kind quietly? Or somebody that's put up with a a life of challenges in a silent way? Who do you think should be valued more? In this world, it doesn't go like that. We only value the noise. The ones that can make the best movie or make everyone laugh on everybody else's expense. The comedian that makes good jokes but brings somebody else down, you know? Those are the people we look up to. The movie stars that can act well in a movie and show themselves more to everybody. Oh, they are valuable. But what about a good mom or a good dad? I don't know if they are. And the good dads and the good moms that are going through day after day, grinding as you know the middle class, like they call them, they're grinding their life day after day to survive and feed their family and they come home from work. They're the heroes. We don't know who's a hero. One thing's for sure. The people that we value as everything in this world... They are nothing in the world above. Not always. Sometimes they are everything as well in the world above. Don't get me wrong. 
But many people that we think are everything in this world are considered as takhtonim in the worlds above. And what does Rabbi Yeshua say back? Hey, you saw a real world. This is so crucial to our faith. I have to believe. This, this has to be your faith. This has to be. I believe fully that good prevails. Not in this world, but good prevails as a whole. Because if not, I'm going to be despondent. I'm going to not put my effort into being good. I'll say, why not? Cheat, steal, as long as I make it and survive. Because that's what need, that's, that's the rat race. I need to cheat and steal so I can at least be successful. And what do we re- need to remember? That it's not necessarily those that made hundreds of billions of dollars through different companies that we should be jealous of and hoping to be like. Because we don't know what happens in the world. To, one thing's for sure. It's not, goodness is not judged by how much money or fame you've got. That just means you have money and fame. It doesn't mean spiritually anything. And that has to be a faith and a belief deep within you. That this is true. That there's tzedek, there's justice. And those that are really good and, and go through this world. Because not all of us are going to come famous move, uh, stars and, and, and have massive popularity. And have tons of money without having to work. None of us, not, most people work and go through a, 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 a challenging life. For all of us. It's, most of us, it's, that's how it is. There's only a small amount that are the dream people that we all dream of. And then when you see their life, you're like, do I really need it? Was it really worth it? Probably not. The whole world's after them for their money. So that's what it says here. That world is the true world. Barur ra'ita, you see the real world. And that's what we need to be. That's why this understanding that life after death is something that I need to study to its core. Watch about NDEs. Learn about the experience. By the way, anyone who had an NDE, almost all of them said they're not afraid of death anymore and it's the best experience they ever had. Anybody who had a near-death experience says they're at peace, they're a better person than they've ever been and they are happy of their experience and they're not afraid of death. It's mind-blowing. But we've got it all written down to the T. I, there's so much more here, but the, the fact that they see a, a great light is something that we're taught. The Zohar, Kabbalah says, the moment that a person dies, the day he leaves this world, he can start seeing things he can never see before. His vision is, you know, <laughs> there's a great quote. If you want to see something, you open your eyes. You open your eyes. You can't see if you close them. If you want to see far, you start quinting, squinting your eyes. You go like this. You want to see very far. This is, this is the, the Rebbe of Breslov, Rabbi Nachman. He says, if you want to see far, squint your eyes. But if you want to see beyond your vision, close your eyes. If you want to see beyond your own vision, close your eyes. When a person's outside of physical reality... Your vision's given much more. That's what the Zohar says. The moment that you die is the moment you see something completely different. Sefa Yashar. I think this is from Shah Yudalad of Rabbeinu Tam, a very holy Rishon. He says, This world to come is vast. It has no ends. 
a light that cannot be compared to. A great light that can never be understood. In comparison to the light of this world. At the moment, a person, Yarkut Shimoni, Medrash says, the moment that a person leaves this world is the moment that he visits and sees God. When a person uh, leaves this world, uh, it says, by Moses, he says, uh, he says to Hashem, please let me see you properly. Hashem says, you can't be human and see me. A human being can't see me and live. Our rabbis say, ah, yes, true, whilst you're living, you can't see. But the moment a person dies, that's when you have an out-of-body experience. In the Sifri, a Midrash, it says, this is about the fact that they see their entire life in front of them. The moment that a person dies from this world, leaves this world. By the way, patur means exempt. You're exempt from working on yourself. Once a person leaves, you're not, there's no more challenges. You're done. You're, 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 you are you without your body. There's no more working on it. You're exempt from required to be a good person, bad, but you just are. There's no more pushing. There's no more challenge. Only in this world are we challenged to do. Because once we leave, we are what we left ourselves off with. So he says in the Sifri, when a person leaves this world, all of his actions are brought in front of him and are explained to detail before him. Explained is uh, the word nifrat. It's to detail given in front of him. Now, we're talking about thousands of years ago. There's no, there's no, there's no TV. There's no camera. So how, how would you envision this idea of being able to see all that went through in your life? You're like, come on, man. Right? What am I going to see? I'm going to see my entire vision of my entire life in the past? Really? How is that possible? If I didn't have a camera, if I never had recording ability... How on earth is that possible? You understand? If I can't record my, re- my reality, then, then how would I ever know? If I never had a recording, a voice recorder, how would I know that I could actually listen to somebody's voice that ha- was, taught, was spe- speaking a year ago? There was no way. There's, do you understand how we're in a generation where we can actually... Relive the past by watching someone speak from the past. It's mind-blowing. But we always knew that when a person dies, you get a video-like experience of your entire life. Just it's a real experience, not a video. But we, now we can understand that more based on our technology. The Zohar says, Sounds like uh, amazing words. Your father and your, and your relatives... And your mother, your parents, are all accompanying you at that moment. His father, mother, and relatives are all there with him. They see them and they acknowledge with them and they accompany him until his soul arrives in the place that it is meant to rest. This is in the Zohar, Bereshit Reish Yud Chet. Again, the language that everyone says is that they experience their relatives. It's too much to say. I mean, I have papers and papers and papers of quotes of what happens and the experience. And we're only talking about the NDE, which is taught in Judaism, that we have written down already. 
that have been recorded in modern times because of our ability to interview and record and listen to millions of people around the world. We've actually come to the exact results of what was taught to us. That's only NDEs. We've not even spoken about dreams and um, other ways that people are able to communicate with the people outside of this world. We don't want it. It says, We're not meant to be speaking to the dead. It's actually a requirement in the Torah. It's one of the mitzvot in the Torah is not to speak to the dead. You're not meant to use witchcraft or any other kind of works that were seances. I don't know if you know what that is, the budgie board or whatever it's called, where they are able to use their energy from their finger and connect to the dead. It's not good. We're, not, we're forbidden, not allowed to do that. What we're meant to do is live in this world and do as much as we can in this world for God. Meaning this world is where we can grow, where we can become, where we can do. Because once we leave this world, there's no more choice. Choice is only here. Where we have the ability, the hiddenness of Hashem, and we have the ability to choose between good and bad through our bodies. Only in this world can we choose. But once we leave that, then there is nothing left for us to do. We experience our own existence and that's it. Okay, I hope that was comforting as opposed to being the opposite. This is meant to make us realize that life really is real and it has a real purpose to it. And it's not just a phase or a moment that will come and go. It's a reality. So I uh, wish you all the best. Thank you for coming and listening.